Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right, you are listening to The Mystery of Parenthood. I'm Trey Cashin, and over there handling the music going down is Thaddeus Romanski. And we'll um, begin with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so... um, we're back. We've we've had an eventful um, couple of weeks that have kept Steph and I from from here. Um, my my mother in law passed away, and we're so grateful for her life and um, that she seemed to pass uh, peacefully, albeit uh, somewhat surprisingly in terms of how quickly it happened um, mm-hmm. relative to that. And um, we ask your prayers for the repose of her soul and and. Um, and for us, particularly Stephanie and her her brothers and sisters and all the grandchildren, but um, anyway, it was a beautiful mass. I, I you know, we're, we're going to talk today about you know teaching the faith in the family, um, but I, I think it's worth noting that you know you you go to a mass and my 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 mother in law had picked out her readings, uh, and she had picked out her. Music and and as we sat there in mass at the funeral mass, just you could almost get a glimpse into kind of what she was thinking, mm. you know, at the time she did mm. that. So it made me think of, you know, it, it it's nice to be able to plan that that type of stuff out. So it was beautiful, a beautiful mass, beautiful homily, uh, everything. So. Um, I've seen quite a few people pass away that I loved and cared about, and and it can be a beautiful thing um, when, well, everyone that I remember is it was beautiful, and even at the end, albeit sad, um, there was some sense of joy even in the midst of that. So, anyway, yeah, I think that any time a loved one passes, there's that 
loss, there's that absence. That person's right. not in your life anymore. And so it's natural to feel sad about that. Right. But it sounds like as we're supposed to sense to recognize you're sending her on to the afterlife and you're hopeful right and you're you're trying to surround her her soul and her person with prayers and the sacraments of the church right yeah it was to ensure that she achieves heaven to right. help her achieve heaven right that's what and you so, want for her. right and and it's like i said it was um, very comforting and i think for everybody so um Anyway, death's a part of life, and um, we're all going to get there one day. I mean, barring yep. the Lord's return prior. <laughs> yep. But but uh, we will um, – it, it can be beautiful is all I want to say about that. But anyway, um, so, yeah, keep Stephanie and her family and, and her mother, her mother, my mother-in-law, in, in your prayers. I appreciate that. We'll do, Trey. We will. Yeah. So, we will. Um, Anyway, today I, Thaddeus had sent a a um, an article uh, that's about teaching the faith and the family and guidelines from Saint Jose Maria Escriva, who's one of my favorites. Mine too. Prim, not, primarily because he was so engaged with just the ordinary <laughs> life, and it, so such a great saint for fam for families, I think, and for men and women and particularly in the lay apostolate. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, I think it's fitting that we talk, we talk through this. It's always a good reminder because it, this article starts with, with a couple things that I, that we've always kind of built it on. I think maybe the first, the very first, um, show we ever did uh, seven years ago. I don't even know how long ago it was, but quite a while ago. Um, we started with this verse, which is quoted in this um, from Deuteronomy, which we've always, um, which we've always said. So it starts off, this is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words, which I command you this day, shall be upon your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. And that that's always been the the that that's the that's the uh, holy version of the penny pitch. You know, we're, we're pitching pennies at just little moments when things come up throughout the day it's not like a sit down and let's have a nothing wrong with that either but in life you know it's about it's about recognizing moments that are opportunities to teach the faith you know with the with with you know when somebody dies in the family and you go to a funeral there's a great deal to talk you know about with mm -hmm. with children mm -hmm. um when a baby's born, when there's an illness, when whatever is going on, when there's trouble at school or on the baseball team or whatever, there's there's always moments that are teachable moments. And that's where 
Because really, we were just talking about, I, I, yeah, I had the opportunity to go talk, I mean, go listen to Dr. Um, Ted's free talk, and he's got a book out that's called The Art of Living, and it's about the virtues and kind of basically saying that taking Pope Benedict at his word, and he said, we've really, humanity has lost the art of living. And I'm looking forward to reading the book, but at the highest level you can think of, the reality is, is that our faith and everything that we know and learn in life has to be applied to our lives. It's not meant to just be something that's floating around up there and you just pull it out when, you know, just when you need it, it should impact, integrate, combine, (laughs) fill our, our lives. Um, and the way we look at things, the way we work at things, the, whatever we do, and and that's part of the art of living. And so, I think this article gets, you know, does talk about the fact that it's it's the lived experience in addition to an understanding mm-hmm. of of what you're doing. But you know, I, I've always talked about the fact that when I took calculus as a freshman and in college, never had calculus before. It was just a bunch of equations. And I didn't get it. I mean, I didn't understand it. And I and and part of it was I didn't understand what what does this mean? <laughs> what is this derivative for? And and so you can kind of learn the stuff. And I didn't learn it very well, I think is one of my few C's <laughs> in college, because I was so clueless. Ten years later, I was trying to get in my MBA into into an MBA program, and I did get into it. But I but but they required me to take calculus because it had been over ten years since I'd taken it, and I took calculus for business. Well, all of a sudden, all the stuff I, I can kind of remember it back there, but all of a sudden, it, it was presented in a way. Well, this is what it's used for. This is how calculus is used in business. And the minute it was like a light went on. Oh, <laughs> and then gave greater motivation to try to learn it, not not just because of the grade, but because, oh, wow, th- this is actually something that applies to right, life. Right. And I think I think that's part of the problem. We got to help our children make connections between, OK, we learn about the Trinity, you know, one God, three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, co-eternal. There never was a time when any of them when that God did not exist, nor the three persons, they, they've existed for eternity. Um, how does that impact my life? How does that how does that shape the way I look at the world? That type of stuff. The fact that Jesus Christ, the God-man, 100% God, 100% man, what does that mean for me in my day-to-day life? Certainly salvation and getting to heaven is important, but there are other things that are meant to apply. I mean, the, the, there's other things about that teaching. And I don't think until, well, at least from my experience with calculus, it's one thing to try to gain the head knowledge and, and be able to um, to be able to kind of answer questions if somebody asks you. It's quite another thing to actually apply it to something that is, real today in the circumstances of my life in this moment. And that's, I think, essential 
because that's what it's meant to be. But I also think that the just like calculus for me changed when I when I had oh <laughs> this applies. Mm-hmm. It it begins to take on meaning. It's it's part of that journey from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge when you start showing your children that there's a connection here in in terms of teaching the faith. That there's something about what you're learning with regard to theology, with what God's done, how he's revealed himself, and what I do tomorrow or in the next hour or whatever. And so I think it helps us be able to do that. So it, I, I digress, but I think it's important. It's, you know, it's, it's funny. There, there, and I'd never heard this said, and, and I'd be interested in your thoughts, Thaddeus. So, so they, he was talking about the people that, you know, I'm a good, you know, people say I'm a good Catholic. I go to mass every Sunday. I go to confession every month. I do all, all the stuff. Yeah. And, but they live some sort of double life. There's something else going on and, and they're, and they're doing it. And he's, and he's, he's like, you know, we would never accept following the rules and anything else as being a sign of being, he'd be, he'd go, he'd be, hey, I know a guy that plays on LeBron James team and, and you need to tell LeBron that I need to be on the team. Now, if you see, it'd be like me saying it, Dr. Shree saying it, he said, I want to be on the team and, they, and because I'm really good at basketball. I'm a good basketball player. And like, why are you a good basketball player? Because I know all the rules and I know how to play within those rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I follow and, the and, rules and, really and, well. I follow the rules really well, better than anybody. I know them and I know how to dribble without double dribbling. I know how not to travel. I, I can show you I can do that. And he said, would you pick that guy on your team if he looked like me? And he's like, I don't know, I wouldn't, because we all know there's more to it than just knowing the rules. He goes, those are prerequisites for actually playing the game. Well, I think here the same point can be made (laughs) that understanding the rules, doing the stuff that you're supposed to do, going to mass, going to confession, praying regularly, all those type of things are part of a prerequisite that doesn't make you by itself a good Catholic it, it it gives you the ability to do it but it actually happens on the court it happens in real life as those things get applied to your life those graces that you receive all those type of things so I, I'd never heard that sort of like an eligibility requirement is what, what you're saying well he was said it's like those are prerequisites mm-hmm. I mean you can't play the game without doing it that way. So you can't play the game of being a Catholic with about, without being somebody who is going to mass and yeah and and praying regularly and going to confession and doing the stuff that we do. But yeah. but 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 that's like you have to have those things, but that's not being a Catholic. I and now I'm not anyone to take issue with Dr. Shree, Dr. Edward Shree. I mean, I see the point he's trying to make. I also think, I wonder if maybe a a better analogy or a way to make that analogy better is to say, not only knowing knowing the rules, but sort of like you can't you can't be a great basketball player if you haven't mastered and you're not constantly working on right like the fundamentals. You're you're working on your your dribble. You're trying to make yourself a better dribbler. You're trying to make right. yourself a better 
shooter, right. your footwork on defense. Absolutely. If you don't do those things, you can't you can't take your you can't even begin to take your game to the next level and right. be a part of a team, really contribute to being a part of a team. Right. No, I, th- I, I don't think he would take exception yeah. to that. I don't think he he means it. I, I think his his point is is a lot of people walk around saying I do all this stuff, and then they may not carry it over into their life in a way that's truly Christian. Mm-hmm. And and call it, it's the it's the it's the working at it. It's the practicing the stuff because if you're sinning and you're having to go to confession, that means you're aware of the fact. Okay, this is where it is and and this is where I'm out of bounds to, to carry the analogy. I mean, but but you have to be out in the game assuming you're not, you know, a contemplative <laughs> that's it, but still there they would they would still have to live a life. And I think that's where the rubber meets the road. I think that's where the witness is given is when our lives communicate by the circumstances by what people see from out where the lives communicate, there's something more going on here. There's something beyond just, I'm just following the rules because the rules are there. Um, yeah. But that's, that's a good thing. It's a prerequisite. But I think that gets to where we were talking about here is the, the, while you're walking, you know, while you're, laying down those different times when you which which basically means just as you go throughout your day with your children you should be teaching them diligently these things you're looking for those opportunities when real life meets decisions and decisions are properly informed by one's faith and one's morals that 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 has to all collide at some point and come to some sort of integrated whole yeah and we all struggle with that even today, your life is like that. Something I thought about when you were talking about um, what interpreting that verse from Deuteronomy, you know, there's the famous Latin phrase, carpe diem, seize the day. Right. And kind of what you're saying and what y'all have always preached is carpe momentum. You got to yes. seize the moment. Seize the moment. Seize the moment with your, with your children. Right. Which is, there's an, I mean, this is nothing new, but there's an awareness of, okay, this is, and you have to, you have to be, Attuned to this is a moment. And you have to be ready. You have to be ready to seize the moment. And you have to be able to seize the moment. I mean, it, it can be as much as if a kid doesn't handle losing a baseball game the way the you know they should with with grace and and kindness and, and to not use that moment to not just say you stop being a brat or whatever, which may be something that would have come out of my mouth, <laughs> but be but beyond but beyond that to you know. Hey, listen, a loss and failure is always something that is the springboard towards success. It's something that show, gives you something that you can or should work on. You know, th- those type of things. So let's sit down and look at what, what you did. You know, part of being a team. I mean, so there's, th- those are opportunities that you can teach. And I think that sometimes we disconnect, you know, the f- we disconnect different parts of our life. So baseball game is something where you need to teach technically like, okay, your swing, you know, your head was, you you didn't watch the ball hit the bat, Mm -hmm. you know, it was way out here or your arm, you know, your hands were out in front or whatever, whatever it is, you have to teach those things, but to miss the opportunity 
to let them know, look, this is this is what life's all about. There's things are going to happen in the real world that's going to be kind of like a pitch that's coming at you. It's it's your opportunity. There you are. Whatever it is, work, baseball's you know an, an option, and these are the things mechanically that you need to do, but you also need to see it as an opportunity to grow. Like I'm going to get better. The pitches are going to come faster. The pitchers are going to be better. You know, but so yeah, and I mean that's that's the whole point of what we want to do with Victory Sports, our new youth sports initiative, is right there taking batting practice and using it as an opportunity, seizing that moment of that batting practice to say, you know, you're learning. You're not just learning how to bat here and becoming a better batter. You're also learning, say. Perseverance. perseverance. You're, learning, you're, pra- you're actually practicing of the virtue of perseverance as you're practicing your batting swing if you will give yourself over to the game, if you will commit yourself to wanting to be the best baseball player you can, and so you're going to take the instruction and you're going to put in the, the time to do the swings, Absolutely. well, you're also going to build up reserves of perseverance. And that what that's going to do is that's going to... Um, protect you from vice. Right. It's going to inoculate you from vice and I'll let you continue on that. But I think, but I think that's, I think those are the opportunities that look, there's going to be times when you're going to fail and your failure is going to impact other people. And, 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 and the art of being a good Christian of being a champion at heart is not that you failed. It's that it's what you do with that failure. And to teach that's life, right? I mean, you got to get back up. Mm-hmm. There's there's the virtue of hope that you know you could despair because I'm never going to be good at this. I'm in all the negative talk. You know, we, you're gonna we're gonna show you. Look, these are things you need to work on, and we're gonna help you work on. In fact, we, if we need to, we'll get you somebody who's better than mom and dad or whomever to help you work on it. Mm-hmm. It's going to take work, and you have to cooperate with that, mm-hmm. with hope that you're going to get better, not despairing in your failure, and with an understanding that regardless of what the, what, what the outcomes are, there's always more that you can do and more that you can learn. So someday, son, you're going to hit a ball that is going to end up winning a game, and everybody's you're going to be the hero. Just remember when you failed <laughs> so that because that's life you can if you let the circumstances of life that again you can get to you even get to that level of just talking life circumstances if you base them on outcomes on on kind of how things worked out if that's what drives where you are and how hard you work then you're going to have a very difficult life because it's going to ebb and flow so much you're going to kind of go wherever the circumstances take you mm-hmm. as opposed to saying, I'm grateful for that hit. I'm going to keep working at it. Hopefully it'll happen. But being aware that I'm not going to get too high when I'm the hero and too low when I'm the goat, which probably is the wrong word these days, but, but when I'm the guy that causes a problem instead of causes success. And we all have to learn that the, the issue is getting up the next day or going up to the next at bat. Right. And, and persevering 
in it, even in the midst of things not working out the way you want. I mean, I don't know about you, <laughs> but today I can think of things that don't go the way I want, but you know, I still got to get up and go to work. I still, I, and I need to have the hope that, okay, I'm going to, what could I do better going forward? What do I need to change? How, how could I do this differently? That's life. That's being a Christian. You're taking an idea like this is the, but, but the outcome is really not always in your hands. First off, it, it, it isn't because you could hit the ball. Perfect. That's another thing in baseball. You could hit a, just a line shot. I mean, do everything right mm-hmm. and end up hitting it right at somebody. I mean, you got to be able to say, okay, that that's, I did everything that I was supposed to do in that moment. Still, from a human perspective, from the game perspective, failed. But you don't go the same place as if, you know, I swung, you know, a second early on a changeup. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, that's a, how do we fix that? But you don't want to fix what you did in the cir- circumstance where maybe you still weren't out, but you crushed the ball and it just happened to be hit right at a person. So you got to be, those are all opportunities to kind of teach them. That's the way life is. Cause you, you yeah. know, <laughs> another, another great thing about baseball is it, it has this dynamic in it where you, the batter may die. That is, you may get out, but the kind of death right. that you had advanced a runner or actually scored a run. Absolutely. And that, that's true in life too. There are, right. there are, there are ways and both literally where one person's death can right. aid the greater cause or it can save the life or achieve a goal. Or there's other ways that we metaphorically, you know, die to ourselves right. in and order to love someone else, to love our spouse, to help the organization, to achieve, you know, the good. Right, right, and and the and the good is always better when the team wins than just you know I went five for five and yeah. we, and we lost. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, so I'm I'm really happy. Right. I mean, you 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 want to? I mean, there's just so many things about how how to try to cultivate that. Baseball itself uses the term sacrifice, exactly. which is a rarely used term in life. I mean, in terms of what that's a that viewed as a good thing mm-hmm. but if you hit a sacrifice fly or you hit a sacrifice or you have a sacrifice bunt right. mm-hmm. you, you know it, it's it kind of shows what what it's meant to be i i was out i died to myself to mm-hmm. what i would like to have done mm-hmm. for the sake of the team and for the sake mm-hmm. of that other person who may get the glory of scoring the run mm-hmm. or who scored the run mm-hmm. um and so even that is an opportunity to communicate what sacrifice is meant to be, mm-hmm. which is to die to oneself for the sake of another or for the greater whole. Yeah, we we really weren't intending to make no, this we into a sports no, we sports program. Well, but I, I was just going to say one more thing on that sack fly idea. I mean, you think about it with baseball, if the guy, if a sack fly is what wins the ball game for the team, in say a walk off situation, right. The base runner that scores the run, a lot of times, isn't the one who the cameras are on right. at the end of the game. It's the guy who hit the sack fly That's that was right. long enough and high enough. It's the guy who died right. who gets the notoriety. That's, right. that's also r- rare. That is rare. I mean, I, I think that's rare. So I think that's you know just in that in that context. 
But but those are opportunities that come up in little league or even on through high school that that are all things that I think that's why I'm such a big sports proponent because there are so many things that translate if you'll help them translate it to real life. Mm-hmm. You know that that things don't always go your way. Your way. You can really do well, but your team or the mm-hmm. company you work for cannot. That's great that you did well, mm-hmm. but it's all part of a of a bigger plan. And mm-hmm. so, um, just to use those opportunities to teach um, the faith. Yeah. Um, so, so l- before we start uh, going farther with the, I mean, we're halfway in the show. But sorry. Hey, no, no, no. It's go. fine. No, no. I'm not. I'm not complaining in any way. Um, that's one of the the charms of the mystery of parenthood. Just, I was going to really quickly say, for people who don't know, Saint Jose Maria Escrivá. He was. He's a 20th century saint. Right. He was born in Spain. At the beginning of the century, he died in 1975 on June 26th. That's his feast day. So he was a Spanish priest. He survived the Spanish Civil War in the 1930s, and he founded what's known as Opus Dei. That's the work of God. Is the, right? the work of God. It's a technically it's a personal prelature. We're not going to go into that what that means exactly, but it it says here that it fosters among Christians the search for holiness in the world, especially in the ordinary circumstances of life and the sanctification of work. And that's you know that's we've been talking about that right here today um and there's a nice a nice quote from saint jose maria here Uh, he said that a life dedicated to doing god's will and bringing the world the message god entrusted to him he said quote sanctity is not for a privileged few the lord calls all of us he expects love from all of us from everyone wherever they are from everyone, whatever their state in life, their profession or job. For the daily life we live, apparently so ordinary, can be a path to sanctity. It is not necessary to abandon one's place in the world in order to search for God, because all the paths of the earth can be the occasion for an encounter with Christ. And he was really, that's from 1930, it it says here. That was really groundbreaking in a sense and very important to the message of the Second Vatican Council, Absolutely. that yeah. idea in Lumen Gentium of um, the universal call to holiness—that's yep. what he's speaking to right there. There was there was a longer-standing, I don't want to say tr- tradition, but just a longer-standing sense, maybe among a lot of Catholics, that a life of holiness, a life of prayer, a life of sanctity. Well, that was for the clerics. That was for right. the, the the monastic life for clergy. But it wasn't necessarily the first priority of the laity. Yes, they were like kind of what you were saying. Yes, they were supposed to attend mass. Yes, we were supposed to go to confession at least once a year, receive communion at least once a year. But going to that next plane of personal sanctity, personal holiness. Right. And that's that call to holiness is is so important and and why I love him is because yeah he helps all of us recognize something I think is lost sometimes that 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 everything we do has the capacity to sanctify us and to help sanctify yeah. the world yeah no matter what it is taking the garbage out mm-hmm. I mean little acts that are that are done with great love for God and for whomever mm-hmm. you might be serving and doing that 
are all opportunities to grow in holiness. Yep. They're all opportunities to grow in more in union with, with and God. my favorite quote of his is conversion is a matter of a moment. Sanctification is the work of a lifetime. He said, there you have it. Right. I mean, and that's, and that is, that is our, that's our call. And I do think that, you know, there's, there was a book written that was that the title of it was, was, I, th- I think it was a, maybe an archbishop from way back in the, you know, 16, 1700s. And, and, and the quote is, you know, we're, what you're supposed to do is to hunt, to fish, to entertain, <laughs> hmm. you know, and that's not what, so hunting, fishing, and entertaining are all opportunities to grow in holiness. But, but, but sometimes there's that. And like when I grew up, I think that, you know, I, I may have mentioned this show, you know, I had a conversion um, at around 33, that, that age with two children. And I remember initially kind of the way I had, understood i'm sure i wasn't formed this way but the way i understood it as i had this encounter with the lord that changed my life it changed everything (laughs) i remember initially thinking oh i was supposed to have been a priest i screwed this up you know and and i think it wasn't until i listened i think maybe maybe it's not the same these days um but there was a sense of like, if you want to be holy, a person of prayer, that type of stuff, like you said, that's to be a priest. Well, no, we're all called to be a person of prayer. We're all called to be people who go out into this world and sanctify it yeah. by our presence, by sanctifying ourselves and that overflowing into what we think, what we say, what we do in our ordinary lives at home, at work, wherever. So, um, so now with that all said, now the article. Yeah. And it's on, and it's in, in the article, this does speak to the fact that, that our jobs as parents, I'll just, um, quote from the second Vatican council. It says, as it is the parents who have, who have given life to their children on them lies the gravest obligation of educating their family. Mm. They must therefore be recognized as being primarily and principally responsible for their education. The role of parents in education is of such importance that it is impossible to provide an adequate substitute. It is therefore the duty of parents to create a family atmosphere inspired by love and devotion to God and their fellow men which will promote an integrated personal and social education of their children. Yeah, that's heavy. That is saying the number one, the way I'm hearing it is the most important thing for you to do as parents is you must create a family atmosphere of love and devotion to God. You've got to have that in your home. Right. That's, that's, that is central to being able to do because the, because what it's promoting is what, we want a well-rounded child who becomes a well-rounded adult. What is a well-rounded, an integrated person? What's, what does that mean? I believe and I struggle to live concretely in and through my life what I believe. Mm-hmm. There's not this disintegration. Right. It's not like I act this way over here at church, but then when I go out and do what Big I do. Big word, bifurcated. It's not right. split in two that are 
completely separate things, right? It's, right. It's meant, and John Paul II would carry on this and say that that's really what we're called to be. An yeah. integrated life is what we're meant to have, meaning that it it's not a bunch of cells. Okay, flip a switch. This is me, the banker. Flip a switch. Me, the husband. Me, the dad. Yeah. Me at church. Yeah. That, that, that all is meant to be the same. Frankly, if you strive for that, the cool thing is, is it's a lot easier to live because you're the same person, or at least you're striving to be the same person <laughs> wherever, wherever yeah. you are. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not somebody different right. Right. In, in each moment. And I do think there's a temptation to kind of, you know, have cells, you know, like this is. This is work tray. This This is is family tray. Right. And and so integrated. Personal, meaning that we're meant to be in relation with other people. And and that that how we act and how we work on ourselves and how we allow God to work on us is essential. And then social, meaning how do we interact with other people in different settings. So that's a well-rounded person. So all the church is asking you to do to do that, well, central to that is an understanding, and it, it kind of gets back to what I was saying. Hopefully we've done it here. Maybe we need to break it down a little bit more in other shows, but there is an application of understanding that God, who made us in his image and likeness, is a trinity. And that if you don't believe that God is a trinity, then then yet you believe he's been made in the image and like we've been made in his image and likeness, then we would definitely have different ways of approaching life. If we know that God is a communion of persons, love is the essence. It is who he is. Mm-hmm. Those type of things and what love means and that Jesus modeled that love in and through his life, passion, death, and resurrection, but it's most effectively signified in what he did on the cross, which is why we have crucifixes, that that's what love, that's, that is what love looks like in the real world. Yeah. And, and, and that that's, those connections have to be made for us to be a Catholic adult. You know, the reason we have confession is we fail at it. (laughs) We fail at it and we're aware that we fail at it. But we're also aware that God wants to forgive us, but we have to be looking at our lives against the measure which God provided, recognizing in hope that God will give us the grace that we need to be transformed into the image and likeness of his son by his grace. But that's what we're striving for. And so that's going to make a better person Mm -hmm. um, for them and and for that and for, for society. So, um, it is, but parents, you're at, you're central to that role. The church says, I do believe in by canon law. And I, I, I went and looked this up once that, that being a parent is actually a position in the church because later on, as, uh, he mentions that when parents teach their faith, it is the church teaching. Yeah, I, and, I noticed that. I thought that was really uh, intriguing. And, and I, I, I do believe it's been a while and it just came to my mind is that it is to be a parent is actually it's an office, an office of the church. So yeah. you actually are holding an office in the church when, when, when God gives you a child and your primary role is well, to love them, to get them to heaven. But, but, but you are called to educate them. 
Yeah, and the article made a made a point in kind of the middle that uh, the in the Hebrew family. I thought that background on the yeah. the Israelite Hebrew family was was really fascinating. We can go into more of that if you want to, but said that the father had this um, almost a priestly role. The mission of the father has religious features. Um, it's not only a social unit, but also a religious group. Festivals and holy days are celebrated within the household with a truly liturgical spirit. Thus, the religion of Yahweh, from a social point of view, is centered not on preachers and charismatic figures, but on the on the family. Right, and and that that actually speaks to um, there's a way of looking at that the, the church looks at, say, a, a society or a culture. The the primary cell. I mean, if you if you take the body of the, that's the United States or whatever, from the church's standpoint, the primary cell is the family. Yeah. Not the individual. The 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 the, the cell that it, that the body grows on is meant to be that. So the church is very protective of the family. Why? Because God is family. Right. <laughs> That's love. You know, Father, the Son, and and what binds them together, love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's not what we teach this, these days. I mean, that's not what our culture teaches. No. It's it's the the cell is the individual. And that's where that's part of where the battle is going right now, and that we have to understand, because the family is meant to be that from which life grows, like any cell that mm-hmm. it that it divides, and you know if your 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 the cells break off and form other cells, and those cells, and you know I don't know I'm not a science person, but I've talked to my son you know about the fact that you know viruses will get in there they'll start manipulating cells and they'll start multiplying cells that are not you know that's as I understand what cancer is doctors out there, medical people, I am beyond not <laughs> capable of doing this, but I do know that there's some carry over that that God revealed himself as a body and the cell that makes up the body is the family and that family right. is meant to multiply um, through the children that that you raise but it's to protect the family is that what else did you notice I mean I, I noticed that the father like I said was meant to be the head of the family um, the authority which from a Catholic is not what a lot of a lot of people think. It's meant to be the servant of the family, mm-hmm. meant to be the one who serves his wife, who serves his children by sacrificing for the good of them, even if it is not for his own good. Yeah, it it, it noted that in ancient Israel, the family was more important than the individual, like you were saying. And to quote from the article, a, a Jewish father under the old covenant felt a moral duty to transmit to his children the deposit of faith. This obligation gave meaning to his mission as head of the family. And I thought that was really important context for us to remember any time that we hear, um, you know, the, the teaching from St. Paul about the nature of marriage and the relationship between the husband and the wife, that the, that the husband is the head of the, of the family and that the woman is, the wife is supposed to be, um, Subservience, not the, the word that's used in the translation, but it's supposed to put subordinate. herself subordinate to the, to the husband. Um, that that understanding, that context, that makes that teaching from St. Paul a lot 
more right. un, a lot more understandable. And I think it's also important for us understanding why early on it wasn't looked at as unusual for the head of a household to say, okay, everybody in my household is becoming a Christian. Right. Yep. And right. that, that, that you see that in Acts. Right. Um, exactly. Where whole, whole households because the father... That was the role. That was the role of the father, and everybody that was in the family understood that that was what the role of the father right. was. And we talk about the the subordinate. I always love be, following the mission of, but but read Ephesians five there towards the end, twenty five through thirty two or whatever. You know, as head, you're supposed to love your wife the way Christ, as Christ loved the, the church. church, and. A lot of people forget that. I I always point out in that particular reading that he presumes that everybody knows what he's saying because what he's saying is be willing to die for her, be willing to serve her, be willing to wash her feet, be willing to do all the things that I did for my church. Yep. And so it's not, hey, woman, <laughs> you know. Go get me some food. Mm-hmm. You know, make me a sandwich. No, I mean that's not that's not. The Christian way. Of well, if you take that. what if you take what uh, Lumen Gentium says about Mary as the as the image of the church that she is the church. Right. Well, Mary at Cana says, you know, they don't have any wine. You need to take care of this. And then she says, do whatever he tells you to do. Well, Christ doesn't decide to say, I'm not doing anything about this because it's not my time. He does what his mom says. Right. Because he's a good Jewish So he he listens. He listens to to his mother. He listens to women. Yeah. So, I mean, the first people that he he appears to, at least scripturally, are all women too. So, and the church also says, you know, well, Thomas Christ says the, the, um, the first in intention is always the last in execution. So let's point to the to the final execution was the was the formation of Eve. Uh-huh. So his intention from the beginning was to get to Eve. <laughs> and I did not know we that from a, yeah, from Saint Thomas. First, in inten- first in intention is the last in execution. Beautiful. Um, Beautiful. So anyway, women are held in super high esteem. <laughs> uh, they're actually the model of what a Christian's most be. But yeah, anyway. and, and the the woman and the man, each in their proper sphere, each with their proper you know dignity, as parents, as husband and wife, as mother and father, they are supposed to be these these incredible witnesses, right? In in the view of Saint Jose Maria, he calls them and, centers for spreading the gospel. Yeah, message. centers for spreading the gospel. Yeah, message. Um, do we look at our do we look at our own families as that? As we're meant to be, that's that's central to our to our goal. Um, he does go through three, and I know. We're, yeah, I was just going to grab a, a quick a quote that yeah, came ahead. after those three, and I want to make sure we go get ahead. those three marks of the early Christian family in. But he he says, for parents, it quote is their duty to live a fully Christian life of prayer, so they can communicate their love of God to their children, which is something more than just teaching them. Whoa. Well, that, and again, that gets so, so... I'm not there. I'm not there yet. No, I'm not there yet. But, 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 but the awareness that that's where it's meant to be, because to be a Christian is to take the incarnation seriously. Jesus came and in the flesh, 
made the love of God present, and he did it in concrete acts and actions, <laughs> from from the healing to the to the um, dying on the cross, all the things that he did. Those were concrete actions that meant because as humans, we're not just ideas. We're, we're to take our intellect and our will and will that something be accomplished, to execute something, and that that execution means it happens in our real lives, really. Like you can punch it, you can touch it, you can see it, you can taste it. You, it is something experienced in real life. Right. And that's what it means to be Christian. It doesn't mean to be Christian to just be somebody who's always following the rules, following the rules, praying, just, just doing that. But there's actually taking that and saying concretely, this is what love calls me to do in this moment in my family. And I'm going to do that. So I'm going to in, in a far less way than, than Christ, but in a way that we're meant to, I'm going to make love present. I'm going to make it manifest in my concrete Right. And, and St. Jose Maria saw that, especially at work in how early Christian families operated. You wanted to, to mention those. I think it's really good. Go yeah, no, I said, you know, the, 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 the goal to which they all aspired was holiness and full identification with Christ. Are we all willing to be fully identified with Christ as a Christian? I mean, sometimes say you're a Christian is not always going to get the full applause of everybody. Um, Probably going to mean persecution of some kind. Right. The, the, and then second, the mission of Christianizing society and culture, which means bringing people one by one to Christ, was the task of each Christian in his or her own environment, beginning with the family. So as parents, we're in that little society that's ours and that little culture that's ours means we need to bring one by one our children and each other to Christ. And then so holiness. Bring people one by one to Christ. And then basically all this is not some edict from the church and I. It's it's our baptism, baptismal call. Right. It's given to us merely, I use that in quotes, merely by the fact that we've been baptized. Our baptism calls us to do that. Um, and I think that's important to recognize. You, you don't have to have any, um, like, certification on the wall or anything like that other than maybe your baptismal certificate which but yeah so this is part of our um priest, priest prophet and king. king right priest prophet and king that's our that's our call so meant to be a priest meant to be a prophet calling out the truth a priest offering ourselves as a sacrifice king we're meant to seek justice and, truth in society and ultimately to be the servant mm -hmm. of others using our authority to to help to guide to whatever not to lord it over them right which again all these terms that are used have kind of these preconceived ideas particularly within the culture that i think we need to dive into uh, not today but i mean but but i think it's important to recognize a, a christian understanding of kingship is different than the world right so anyway hopefully our ramblings have not um been unfruitful <laughs> But anyway, I'm so grateful that you all listened. Uh, continue to keep our family in your prayers. We'll be praying for you. And always remember, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you 
Always will. God bless y'all. Bye.